How are you now? How are you now? Hope you're doing all right. Hope you're ready for episode three of the Bottom Six Minutes podcast. I am Matt Drake, and I think one thing that we haven't quite mentioned yet on the podcast or any of our podcasts is that uh, Eyes on the Prize is now with the Believe uh, podcast network. We switched it up again as a result of our site, you know, constantly evolving a little bit since we went independent. And uh, yeah, we're, we're in a good place now. So we've got a good uh, we've got a good new system for uploading things a little bit quicker. So I think we get on Apple actually a little bit faster. Um, so we're going to get to the recap today of the Montreal Canadiens playing the Minnesota Wild. But first, we do have a sponsor for today's episode, and it's a Texas showdown in the postseason. And Bet Online is your number one source for all your baseball wagering info with up-to-the-minute stats, news, scores, and matchup breakdowns. Get the latest game odds, spreads, and totals for baseball, the NFL, college football, all at your fingertips with BetOnline's real-time updates on statistics, news, and odds. We have everything you need to stay up to speed on each LCS all the way through to the World Series. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to get in on the action. Don't forget to use promo code BELIEVE, B-L-E-A-V, to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. BetOnline, where the game starts. And the Montreal Canadiens... I think they knew where the game started on Tuesday night. When the game started might have been a little bit of a challenge for them. Uh, The first period was, uh, in a word, rough against the Minnesota Wild. Um, First, Before I get into that, I should mention the lines. Um, We were all expecting, after the injury to Kirby Doc, he's been announced he's going to be out long-term. We're not sure exactly how long, but it's going to be a while. And uh, everybody was expecting Josh Anderson to move down to the second line with Alex Newhook and Uri Slavkovsky, and for Rafael Harvey-Pinard to come all the way up to the top line, and Michael Pizzetta to slot in on the fourth. That's not what they did. As of warm-ups, we realized that they were going with Josh Anderson down on the third line with Sean Monaghan and Brendan Gallagher, and they were actually bumping... (coughs) Sorry, they were actually bumping Tanner Pearson up to the second line, uh, which seemed like an odd decision. And look, it it was pretty rough uh, at the start of that period. And I do wonder if they hadn't really been practicing with those lines. Uh, But, you know, I digress. Let's talk about the period. Um, It was kind of weird. It was a little bit back and forth, but the Habs not really able to get much going. And then, of course, they get a power play. And the power play is their downfall in this game. Um stupid neutral zone drop pass play like they always do um zone entry fails while they get they gain the zone and then turn the puck over immediately and the wild go the other way and it's brandon zuhem on the other way on a two-on-one and he shoots and he scores in the exact same power play same thing happens the wild go the other way with a two-on-one and this time it's connor dewar who scores it's two nothing for the minnesota wild both goals scored while they were shorthanded on the same penalty, 25 seconds apart. An absolute disgusting display by the Montreal Canadiens with the man advantage in the first period of this. Shots by the end of the first period are 12-5 to in favor of the Minnesota Wild. And the Habs had none on that power play that they got. Meanwhile, they gave up two goals. So, special teams... <clears throat> big problem for the Montreal Canadiens at the, in the early goings of this season. We go into the second... There's an early penalty on uh, Uri Slavkovsky for tripping. And then not long after that, Caden Gooley gets called for slashing. I thought that the tripping call on Slav was fair, but the uh, slashing call on Gooley was was absolute horseshit. Uh, it was a dropped stick, and uh, the guy he slashed was holding it in one hand. So I don't understand why that needs to be a penalty, but uh, it's a five-on-three. And guess what? Joel Eriksson Ek, he gets down in front of the net and puts one in. It's 3 nothing for the Wild. A little later in the period, though. 
newly minted top six Tanner Pearson playing on the second line comes screaming in on the right hand side he has a look and he's got help on the left hand side but he elects to just keep this one and fires an absolute laser beam short side in three to one the Habs have a little bit of life (laughs) most life that they've had since the puck dropped at the beginning of the first period Uh, and it seemed to wake them up for a minute they actually started getting a little bit more sustained pressure after that Uh, they were starting to look better and I was thinking you know maybe they can get back into this thing we're only about halfway through the game at this point but of course (laughs) your Slavkovsky takes a dumb penalty later on and it's a power play for Minnesota and wow they actually know how to uh how to do power plays Kirill Kaprizov gets the puck right face off circle gets a one-timer no chance for Semyon Montembeau on that one and it's four to one for the wild that's your score heading into the third period and in the third period, early on, well, it's not super early, it doesn't matter, Jake Middleton absolutely sells a call on Tanner Pearson. Tanner Pearson's going for a stick lift. He completely misses the stick, but also completely misses Jake Middleton's face. Jake Middleton, all the same, sees the stick go by his face and decides to throw his head back like he just got punched in the nose, and uh, he didn't get touched. That's some ridiculous bullshit. Refs call it anyways, and guess who? Joel Eriksson-Eck gets his second of the game, this time once again down low in the slot, um, and it's 5-1 for the Wild. Uh, that seemed to piss the Habs off, uh, and rightfully so. I mean, that shouldn't have been a penalty. Uh, Pearson was letting the refs know right away that he didn't touch him. Uh, but, you know, whatever. It, it is what it is. Uh, they got duped, and hopefully they uh, take a look at the replay on that one and uh, maybe take his number down, and next time you don't give him the benefit of the doubt. And the Habs, uh, it, it did wake them up. Like I said, they started playing a lot better throughout the rest of that third period. A lot of that might have been score effects as well, though. You know, the Minnesota Wild with a four-goal lead, they're not feeling like they really need to, uh, you know, push too hard, especially considering that they went into this game short-staffed. They went into this game with, I think... Uh, 18 skaters I don't know they they were short I I can't remember exactly how many they dressed but um, they were probably a little bit tired and probably feeling like they didn't really need to go for anything but the Habs were you know ratcheting up the pressure it's like they were trying to get some things done there Uh, late in the game Michael Pizzetta demolishes former Hab John Merrill gets into a fight with one of his teammates over it and feeds him his lunch uh, that felt kind of good to watch. If I got, I, I'm not gonna lie, it felt kind of good to watch Michael Pizzetta feed somebody his lunch after such a shitty game. Um, and then, guess what? The Habs find themselves on the board again. Cole Caulfield at the point, great line hold, catches it out of midair, puts it down on his stick, fights through a check, and gets it across to David Savard. He puts a perfect pass cross ice to Alex Newhook on the back door, and he puts it in. It's five to two. Do the Montreal Canadiens have some life? No. They don't. Cole Caulfield tried real hard to get one late in the third there uh, when they had a power play as well. Uh, just no dice. I mean, he, he did everything he could. Marc-André Fleury made some really nice saves against him late in the game. Alex Newhook actually swung another one in the net uh, at the very end of the game, but that did not make it 5-3 to three because it went in after time was up. So 5-2 to two is your final in favor of the Minnesota Wild. What a shit sandwich of a game for Montreal Canadiens fans. I do not envy anybody that paid money to be in that building. Uh, those tickets aren't cheap, and they did not give you your money's worth in the slightest if you were in the building. So anybody who's listening that happened to be at that game, I apologize on their behalf. Lord knows they're not going to apologize to you. I apologize on their behalf. How are you now? I hope you're doing all right. I hope those 
$18 beers didn't break the bank too much for you, and I'm sure you needed quite a few of them to get through that shitty-ass game. So um, kudos to you if you actually managed to make it all the way to the final horn because I know I'd not, I, I don't think I would have. Well, maybe I would. Maybe I would if I paid, you know, 150, 200 bucks to go to that thing. Uh, I don't know. Anyways, um, let's get to the silver lining of the night. I think we need to talk about some positives at the very least. And, you know, even in such a shitty game, uh, you know, with the the way that I'm trying to look at this team during the rebuild, I can still find some positives. And uh, let's start with Tanner Pearson and his, you know, prospective trade value um, as we approach. Well, we're not really approaching the deadline, but his prospective trade value when the deadline does roll around. Um, Look, he has clearly proven himself as maybe a little bit undervalued, right? Maybe, maybe, just maybe, he's a player that Vancouver would have liked to hold on to. I I don't know. All I know is that so far this season, he's already got two goals, and that's probably two more goals than people were expecting him to have three games into the season. So, um, look, it's way too early to sit here and talk about exactly what he'd be able to get back in a trade. But, I mean, a- anything is really found money for the Habs at this point because it's it's not like they made that trade thinking that they were getting somebody that was going to be on the team all the way through the rebuild and beyond, right? That This was a guy that I think they acquired specifically with the, the thinking that we could potentially flip him at the deadline to a contender. Uh, but we need him to perform well during the season in order for that to be a possibility so so far so good he's clearly better than uh, he's certainly better than i expected him to be Uh, i can't speak for everybody but i think most people would probably agree they weren't expecting him to look as good as he has and uh he's contributing and you know those 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 points are going to play big when the deadline rolls around if they are in fact looking to trade him so um that was good to see and uh i think he was one of the better players for them in that game as well overall of course had to sit in the box and watch the other team score after he didn't even touch the guy with his stick, but we're not going to turn this into a ref rant. Uh, The Habs were the victim of themselves in this game, not a victim of the refs. Um, Another silver lining, let's go with Alex Newhook. Um, I think so far he's been a great acquisition. I know tomorrow there's going to be nothing but doom and gloom on uh, Habs Twitter. I I know on Habs Eyes and the Prize, I'm sure our comment section is going to have it out. Um, about how screwed we are after the dock injury, and I'm I'm not saying that any of you are wrong, but let's let's hold off on any criticism of, of Alex Newhook because I think he did everything that he could in that game to to try and spark the Habs. Um, even early, even after they went down two nothing, he looked like he was really putting in good effort. Um, and and I think he's been a fantastic acquisition so far. So far this season, <clears throat> he's got three goals in three games. So he's not going to maintain that pace throughout the entire season. It'd be quite amazing if he scored 82 goals uh, and led the team. But um, look, as horrible as it is to see Doc go down that early in the season uh, with how well he was playing as well, it's it's still, how do I say this without coming off like an asshole? It's still comforting to know that they've got another potential Doc-esque acquisition in New hook where, again, a guy undervalued by his team uh, ends up getting traded out and maybe he can really come into his own. And if he can do so on a Montreal Canadiens team that has looked uh, pretty futile in, in a lot of uh, in a lot of aspects of the game so far this season, uh, it, it's, it's good news. It's good news. He, this is a player that might really be able to stick with them through the rebuild and beyond, unlike Tanner Pearson. And, um, you know, someone that I, I, I think might be coming into his own here in Montreal. So, um 
there's two silver linings for you. I guess I, I, I probably sounded like an idiot trying to hit a word count on an essay there uh, because anybody who watched that game knows that there was not a whole lot of positives that you could draw from it. Um, the power play is atrocious. The, the power play is unforgivably atrocious. The, I've talked about this before. I'm sure I went on a rant about it during the preseason. The, the fucking drop pass in the neutral zone, man, it, they do it every single time. And I've had people point out to me because I, I I made a tweet about it. I clipped the entire sequence of the first goal against on the power play. And I have people coming back and be like, yeah, you're a fucking idiot. Every team in the NHL does that. Most of them do. They don't do it habitually as their only strategy to traverse the neutral zone on the power play. They don't. And if you think they do, I, I implore you, go watch another team that's actually good. Go watch, I hate to say this, but go watch the Toronto Maple Leafs. They might do a neutral zone drop pass if they get five power plays, they might do two neutral zone drop passes the entire five power plays. The Habs do it every single time they have a power play. If they can't set up off the initial draw and the puck gets kicked out or sent all the way down the ice, they do the same thing. They regroup in the neutral zone. One of them drop passes it. And they, they don't have a Nathan McKinnon or a Connor McDavid that can really back the defense off and make that work. So you need to come up with something else. I had other people on Twitter coming at me and saying, well, what do you want them to do, go back to dump and chase? I'd rather they go back to dump and chase. At least if they went back to dump and chase, they're putting the puck in deep, and the odds of an odd man rush coming back against you is virtually nil, right? When you got four guys in the ice, it's going to be tough for them when you've got everybody's in position to stop them from having any kind of an odd man rush. I would legitimately rather them go back to dump and chase, as rough as that can be to watch realistically what do I want them to do I want them to come up with some other strategies to gain the zone so that they're not stuck with this stupid drop pass that never works that's so predictable and that other teams are probably watching film on them and going oh this is what they do every single time easy we're just going to stack that blue line we're going to wait for them to come and as soon as that puck carrier crosses the line we'll have somebody on him we'll push him to the outside try to get him up against the wall freeze him there kick the puck out and take it the other way I mean <laughs> It's sickening. It's sickening to watch. It's a professional hockey team. I tweeted out, you know, somewhat tongue-in-cheek, fire Alex Burrows yesterday. I know he's not the only one responsible for the power play, but if, if he's not able to help them on that front, I don't understand what he's there for because I thought when they initially brought him up uh, to coach, I thought that was his contribution. That's what we were all led to believe is that he was, I don't know, too early in the season to start firing coaches. So let's not go on to that rant. The power play, horrible. The penalty kill, almost as bad. Now, there, there were a few calls in that game that I would charge to the refs, right? The Pearson one, there's a few other ones as well. I don't want to turn this into a ref rant. Like I said, the Habs should not be trying to blame the officials for that loss. They should blame exclusively themselves. But that being said, regardless of whether the calls are the fault of the official or the fault of your player doing something that he's not supposed to do, you have to be able to kill penalties more effectively than that. Look at this game, right? The Habs lose 5-2, to two, and not one of the five goals that they allowed were at even strength. All five were either shorthanded or on the power play. Your special teams is a significant problem that you need to fix. Of course, it doesn't matter if you do it this year, right? Nobody's expecting you to make the playoffs. You're almost certainly not going to be there. So you don't have to, it's not like a, a pressing need, but you need to show some progress. We've been talking about this for three seasons now. It's not like this is news. 
the power play sucks. I'm not telling you anything that you haven't heard from me and from other people who follow the team for the last three years. It's not that I need to see them be the Leafs. I don't need to see them be the Oilers on the power play. I need to see some progress. I need to see the coaching staff show me that they're able to recognize what's not working and change it. Right now, I'm not seeing that. Right now, I'm seeing them just trying the same thing over and over again and hoping that it produces different results. The definition of insanity. And it's driving me insane watching these games and seeing them do it. And, you know, if, if for, for all the fucking people who want to come after people like myself or Scott or anybody else that makes clips and puts them out on Twitter and complains about strategies and goes, well, like you know any better, do you, is that your answer to everything? It's just, well, they're the professionals. They must know what's right. Is, is that really? Am, am I, if I dig through your tweets, am I going to find you criticizing the vaccine and shit too? Aren't they the professionals? Aren't the pharmacists and the doctors and everybody telling you to get the vaccine? I can virtually guarantee I'm going to find you criticizing somebody who's a professional somewhere. Sometimes if you watch enough of something, particularly a sports team, and you see that the things they're doing aren't working over and over and over and over again, do you really think that the answer is, well, they're the pros. They must know better than me. Now, we get to complain. That's kind of part of being a sports fan is that you get to watch and you get to go, I don't like this. I don't want them to keep doing this. And then you just hope that uh, someday all of your incessant complaining leads to change, even though it probably didn't come directly from your complaining. You know, that's kind of the point of being a sports fan. I don't know what to tell you. So stop getting mad at me on Twitter for saying what I think about the team that I cover. Um, I think I went on a completely different tangent there that was probably not necessary for everybody. Uh, Look, to wrap this thing up, that was a shit sandwich of a game, um, like I already said. And I think that we can probably file this one away. Uh, they've got three days off coming up. They don't play again until Saturday. So um, hopefully in those three days, they figure something out because this it, it just looked disjointed, even at five on five. I mean, the five on five play wasn't terrible. The, it was really special teams that sunk them in that game. But uh, the five on five wasn't that much better. It was, it was good enough where if they had no penalties on either side, I think this game probably would have been a lot closer and maybe they even win it. But... Um, they, they got a lot to figure out there. And I think the dock injury is, uh, it, it's looming as a significant problem for them because that was certainly to me, not the optimal lineup. Um, I, I don't think that worked very well. I, I think they need to rethink that. Uh, they probably need to get some practices in with whatever lineup it is that they're going to go with on Saturday. If we're going to see it look any better. And of course they need to start focusing on the special teams. I know, uh, Martin Saint-Louis mentioned it and he said that, they last year they weren't really necessarily looking at the power play as much because they were worried more about the five on five play which makes sense but at some point you got to look at that and go well this is this is embarrassing we need to work on that because it's going to be incredibly important for you once you're actually ready to compete please please start looking at it um it, it would bring me so much joy to see them just be average on the power play i'm not even asking for the moon and the stars here just be average that's going to be it for this one. Um, before I go on some more rants that nobody wants to listen to, how long are we running right now? Ooh, we're running almost 20 minutes as of me speaking. So, c'est une grosse soirée pour les employés de soutien. We are on Spotify, uh, Google Play, Apple, Megaphone. I'm on Twitter at DrakeMT. Drop me a follow. I would appreciate that very much. Uh, this show has been presented to you by Bet Online. Um, thank you, as always, for listening. And, of course, à la prochaine.